One podcast to record them all. One podcast to promote them. One podcast to publish them all. And the darkness subscribe to them. In the land of Zencast... Andrew, what are you doing? Um, nothing. <sighs> Fill with a podcaster. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Month. Hello everybody and welcome to the third episode of Lord of the Rings Month. My name's Satsunami and joining me today, well, I could do a normal intro but you know what, I somehow feel a song coming on. So joining me today is none other than Craigie of the third letter of the alphabet. It is none other than the one and only Craigie C. Craigie C, welcome. Thank you for the warmest welcome I've ever had into really anything ever, so. <laughs> Thank you very much. How are you doing today? <laughs> um, much better having heard that. How are you? Not too bad. Well, I say that, but I have just watched this film, so, you know, ups and downs. Spoilers for the rest of the episode. <laughs> So, as many of you out there will know, it is, at least in this year of 2023, it is the 20th anniversary of Return of the King. So, we thought, what can we do? Will we dedicate a full episode to Peter Jackson's Return of the King? No, 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 no. We had an episode like that at the start of the month. Will we review the book? No, 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 no. No, we hate ourselves too much. So, we decided to go even further back in time to the 1980s, where we are going to be reviewing today, the Rankin Bass film of the 1980s. It's a film. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. It's a film. I think we should start with the context, because this is this is weird in itself. So, there was a film in 1978 of The Hobbit, an animated film. I watched all three of these films back to back. By the way, there's a trilogy of animated films, I watched all three of them back to back. And I'm going to pretend it was to be on this podcast episode, but truth be told, I just wanted to watch them. So, 1978 or 78, what it was, the Hobbit comes out, and then a completely different studio, or a completely different director anyway, makes a Lord of the Rings, which is actually actually completely different so the first one's very childish very similar to this Return of the King and then they did this Lord of the Rings animated which is actually like really good maybe it's not really good but it's really key close to the books and it's only really because we live in like that post Peter Jackson world that we have so many funnies with it so then Rankin and Bass went back to make the next Lord of the Rings film when it was well, no point us starting from the fellowship someone just did it so we're gonna skip all the way to Return of the King so it's a fascinating trilogy <laughs> of weirdness because they're not even related. <laughs> it is so bizarre. See, for a film series that is surprisingly at the time it's famous for being unfilmable and I'm not going to lie, I feel as if this just fuels the fire of that argument at the time because this film, and slight spoilers to how I feel about this film, this film feels like, you know if you're into sci-fi films, fantasy films, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got like a relative or a friend who really hates fantasy films this is what fantasy films are to them that's the only way i can describe it it's like there's so much going on there's just a wealth of content and none of it makes sense it's like someone said okay we need a wizard um a couple of short people um, what else oh we need a demon oh the, the quest let's just shove it together and you know there's no regard for oh yeah 
uh, Lord of the Rings. They don't care. You know, they don't care as Lord of the Rings. As you said, it's really surprising because so many people, for some weird reason, wanted to adapt Lord of the Rings, but they wanted to do it in their vision. The Beatles, for some reason, wanted to do an adaptation. <laughs> Fortunately. What do you mean, fortunately? We were robbed of that. <laughs> yeah, they had that. And as you said, you had the Hobbit, 1977 film and then you had the Ralph Bakshi one which came out after that which was like the kind of rotoscoped one. Which included the voice acting talents of John Hurt. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And Anthony Daniels. I don't know why we're not watching that film. I bet you can name one person that's voice acted in this one. (laughs) I went and looked and most of them have a 404 page not found on Wikipedia. (laughs) No, no, no. Theodore doesn't count, okay? (laughs) So at the very beginning of the film they do that you know that thing they used to do in the older films where they have the credits at the beginning as well as the end and there's this thing where it's like starring in alphabetical order. And you know, you're like, right, okay, that's fair enough. That's how they do it. Starring in alphabetical order. There's just a guy called Theodore. Everyone has like a Christian name, a surname. This guy is just straight up called Theodore. How are you supposed to find him? What type of Theodore? <laughs> Who is this man called Theodore? It was when you were saying about where the film starts, I kind of thought you were going to mention how it was paying homage to Quentin Tarantino and the film starts at the end. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what? See, without any further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Shatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that's sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. Hello, dear listeners, Mama D here, ready to share my wisdom and offer a listening ear. Life can be tough, but remember, you're never alone. On Petals of Support, I'll be your virtual mom, providing guidance and support when you need it most. Join me each week as we explore topics close to your heart. From self-care and personal growth to parenting and finding inner peace, we'll embrace every aspect of life's journey together. Let my voice wrap around you like a warm hug, reminding you that you are capable, loved, and cherished. Remember, my dear petals, you are stronger than you know. Together, we'll navigate life's garden one bloom at a time. I'm Mama D, and this is Petals of Support. Let's grow, learn, and flourish together. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording a low-quality, one-track audio waves. <laughs> But with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with our all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So this fellow... <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> this film, you can't see it. I've got my hands together, you know, almost like I'm praying. Let me tell you, I was a man of faith before I came into this film. <laughs> my faith was thoroughly shaken after it. But yeah, the film starts at the very end where we know that everybody's fine and they're all having a party at Rivendale. People might be asking out there, what is Rivendale? What, what, what's this? What's a hobbit? You know what? The film doesn't explain it. And unless you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you're not going to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we cut to Riverdale where Elrond, who's looking like Rasputin, Gandalf does look like Gandalf, the big nose and the robes and everything. You know, how a wizard looks, I don't know how to explain it. You've got Merry and Pippin, which, as I told you, an extensive length, look like the traditional M&M characters. You know, the red M&M and the yep. peanut M&M. Because for some reason, Pippin is the only one who has, like, a squashed face. None of the other hobbits have squished faces. He is the only one that it looks like he's been too curious beside one of those, what do you call those? You know, the presses. A hydraulic press? Not even the hydraulic press, but you know what? Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> it might as well, because that's what it looks like. Granted, they're celebrating Bilbo's birthday. He's 100 and something, I can't remember. It's 129, 100 and something. Well done, 129, yeah. Is it 129? Whew, thank God. The fans are putting down the pitchfork slowly. Wait, I'm not going to lie to you, I don't think this was in the actual books. This is the birthday party at the end. So I wouldn't stress it too much. Anyway, I counted the candles. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say the cake is absolutely banging? Oh yeah. The cake you actually get it's like a kind of spiral up of candles, and you just look at it and you think that is a cool birthday cake. That's probably the coolest thing in this film. That's <laughs> saying a lot about Lord of the Rings. So yeah, they end up outsourcing their stories <laughs> because usually you would start with you know a very wise sage figure, you know like Gandalf or Elrond saying and we took the ring to Mordor and, you know, recounting it in a very revered way or something. No, 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 no. They just get some chump, some stranger out of Gondor and they're like, yeah, minstrel, go sing. <laughs> go sing about stuff you weren't there for. No, I have to, I do have to bring you back in a little here because you're skipping some important dialogue. So what happened, the way they get onto the story is Bilbo's old and confused and he doesn't understand where his magic ring's gone. And he looks over at Frodo and goes, Frodo, why do you only have nine fingers? <laughs> That's what happens! Right. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a nonchalant way he does it, though. Frodo, where's your, where's your finger? <laughs> Frodo, why are you bleeding? <laughs> I mean, what bothers me is the first song that the minstrel then busts into is called Frodo. They list the two most famous things about Frodo, which is he destroyed the ring and he only has nine fingers. And like, it seems like a lot of disrespect. Like, <laughs> he saved the world. And you're like, do you know the most famous things about you? The fact you lost a finger. The hobbits, like the the like farmer people, the chances are there's a lot of them that have lost fingers. For it to be like the second biggest thing that they focus on is a bit mean. That just shows he's got no personality. Oh, I would love it if there was like another hobbit who, I don't know, he was chopping stuff for sandwiches or something yeah. and he loses a finger through some tragic accident. And you know, is he going to be held to the same standard as Frodo? Right. And my other thing is like, if that was me, right, and I saved the world, and people are like, it's Craigie you see the guy that saved the world and has nine fingers. I'd be like, I've done a lot of things. Could you not be like Destroyer of the Ring and also Lego Builder of the Month when he was six? Quite nine fingers. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just so mean. 
I just remembered the song that they follow on from that. They go from Frodo of the Nine Fingers, haha, you will never play Guitar Hero the same again. <laughs> and they go from that to the It's So Easy Not to Try as yep. the credits start to roll. And I don't know if this is foreshadowing or... You know, of course, we get Theodore, who I know I'm fixated on this, but everyone has two names. Is he in witness protection after this? Like, <laughs> He's like, I need to protect my anonymity from the Tolkien Society. It's like, you know, those people that they're so ashamed of something that they use a fake name or something? <laughs> like, did this guy see Alvin and the Chipmunks and was like, yeah, call me Theodore? <laughs> I don't want any association <laughs> with us, please. We will get into the other songs later, right enough, but the one thing. I have to bring up is the fact that these songs, and I hate to say it, but they're all bangers. That's it, yeah, yeah. It's every song in the soundtrack fantastic. As much as I'm going to rag on these songs, they are bangers. They're certified bangers. <laughs> they are bops, whatever adjective you want to put in. The minstrel of Gondor is earning his keep, okay? He's earning his coin here. So the minstrel's tale starts, and what, what they realised was, we made a Hobbit movie. We didn't make a Lord of the Rings movie. We made a Return of the King movie. And so what they do is they really quickly try to recap the plot of the Hobbit in the first two books, but leave it a whole bunch of stuff and that got me wondering because something you pointed out which really kind of stuck in my head which was Gandalf doesn't quite look like Gandalf the White he's wearing grey he's got a white beard but he had a white beard in the Hobbit and so it's like did that Gandalf not fight the Balrog like how much of the film actually happens to lead up to this film if that makes sense because they just skim over a whole bunch of stuff because like oh Bilbo got the ring and they just reuse a whole bunch of footage from the Hobbit movie and they go Frodo had to go on an adventure and now we're here there's so much skip even if you're taking the animated Lord of the Rings film which stops roughly at the same spot the Two Towers movie does but it doesn't have the Ents none of that's in it and then this also skips like the fight with Shelob and stuff like that so it's like even within if you just watch the two films back to back there is such a massive gap of what's going on this film does not do a good job of telling its story <laughs> no. I'm just going to say it now we literally start at the end of the film they say Frodo why don't you have an evil ring of power and why are you missing a finger <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has a slice of cake. There's two hobbits that look like M&Ms in the corner. Elrond, as I said, he looks like Rasputin. Gandalf's just Gandalf, you know, I can't really fault him, other than the fact. <laughs> Gandalf, you're doing great. <laughs> you, know <what> <laughs> <laughs> you know that crying cat meme? I just <laughs> got a thumbs up. It's like, you're the only one here I know. And even then, <laughs> you're not Gandalf the white. Why are you Gandalf the grey? As you said, they skip over so much. I feel as if it ends where, and I don't know why end on this bit. It's like, oh yeah, let me recap this tale and then end with our protagonist beaten and half naked in front of a pile of orcs. And I was just like... <laughs> We're going to have to close the curtains. Like, this is, this is really... <laughs> Sorry, between that and the fact that Sam starts off the adventure with, mind if I read from the source material, oh, go for it. where he's looking for, I think he's looking for, I don't even know what he's looking for, but he comes across the <laughs> ring just by chance, and the ring's calling out to him, doing ring things. And then he says this word, which even in the 1980s, you know when you think of the 50s or the 60s, and they say something, and you're like, oh, that 
that does not hold up well today, but at the same time, it meant something completely different back then. Sure. The sentence, and dear listeners, please play along at home. The sentence, <laughs> you know, see if AI takes over. I hope it doesn't take this sentence out of context. <laughs> he says, oh, I can feel you throbbing with excitement. 1980s. <laughs> the 1980s. I'm sorry. That wasn't acceptable. What I'm saying is Rankin Bass do better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how it starts. And then he has like... He has a power fantasy. Yeah, he, he has a power <laughs> trip. This is the thing. They cut out so much of the film and yet they have this whole five minute side tangent where he has a cabbage patch child riding a wooden horse and he becomes this dictator warlord. And this is a long segment. It's like a five minute oh, yeah. and it's right at the start of the film. Pace and be damned. We need to know all about Sam's wacky fantasies. This could have been Shelob. Like, I, <laughs> I hate to, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but this could have been a fight with a giant spider. The bearer of bad news. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I actually said to you while I was watching this. All the songs so far are bobs. Sam just went Kaioken. <laughs> Sam turning into a maniacal gardener is great. And then I sent a screenshot of his devil child with no whites of his eyes. Yep. It's just like full on black eyes as if he's possessed. Why is there a cabbage patch child in Lord of the Rings? I want to quickly bring this up because you mentioned it there. Whenever the character has the ring of power and this happens a couple of times, they don't go invisible. Well, they do at one point but it's, it also seems to unlock something that looks like the Kaioken and they never explain what it is or what it does or why but yeah everyone gets like a weird power boost when they hold it in their hand I know that was what the ring of power is and obviously the source material that it was a ring that gave you power and everything but yeah at least maybe this is like the Peter Jackson effect where everybody who put on the ring that wasn't Sauron went invisible you know because that's what you associate with with it. But even in The Hobbit, he went invisible. What I understand, the way it works is like the stronger a person you are, the bigger the effect the ring would be. So if Gandalf put it on, it would be like crazy stuff. So that's fine, but just to explain what it is, he's just got this threatening Jojo aura all of a sudden. It's just it's just a bit wacky. A bit wacky. <laughs> There's a Hobbit monologue to himself on the side of Mount Doom. <laughs> and nobody hear this. Was everyone just like, nah, nah, I'm nah it couldn't be a Hobbit. Yeah. Couldn't, be, couldn't be a Hobbit out here. Hey, Jim, that was like a hobbit? Nah, can they be a hobbit? <laughs> What'd you want to bet? Uh, last of the meat on the menu? Nah, nah. What's heavier? The burden of the ring for a hobbit? <laughs> Both the same weight. Yeah, and there's a lot of... I don't want to rag on this too much, but there's a lot of mispronunciation in this film. And some of the stuff you think, okay, there's some terminology that you think, okay, maybe they'd get it right or wrong, but why do they call Minas Tirith and Minas Tirith? This one's interesting to because there was audio recordings of Tolkien which you can find online now obviously it was harder to find back then but there is audio recordings of him saying these things so there's no excuse for this he called it Minas Tirith so why did these people make the films went oh no we know better it's Minas and there's quite a few of them you know that I think it's just one of those things you just kind of have to accept with any film from the 80s when it comes to books and stuff you just have to accept they're just going to take little shortcuts like that speaking of shortcuts as we said before they skip so much out of this film and they put in the most unnecessary 
unnecessary stuff in it. I sent you a message saying, did they just skip past the battle? And I'm assuming that is the Battle of Gondor. Because for some reason, Gandalf's doing his own thing. And then all of a sudden, him and Pippin are talking to Denethor, who is the steward of Gondor. And he's saying, oh, you have to, I don't know, fantasy BS. Oh, you have to do this, you have to do that. And he turns around and he's like, my evil ball tells me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And then literally the next scene, it's like, Denethor died. (laughs) It's like, Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Backtrack here. So you're telling me you couldn't even have a five-second thing to show him collapsing. I don't know. I would take, oh, he took a heart attack, or he slipped in a rogue tomato, or hell, I'll self-insert myself and stab him myself. You're telling me they couldn't have added five seconds, but we get like a five-minute side tangent of Sam becoming a warlord and having fake children. (laughs) (laughs) If we're going to go into things that have been scared, there's no Legoland or Gimli. Both of those guys are gone. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're both gone. And Aragorn doesn't turn up in the film. The guy that is the king that is returning doesn't turn up in the film until like the last 10 minutes. He, he is like making you wait for the return of the king here. Oh, no, no. He turns up at the beginning for some reason. And then he's never mentioned again. <laughs> on the very end and at the very end when he does turn up he's like oh this majestic return and I'm like who's that? Where was he? What was he up to? You know that way when you're watching a film with the subject and the title mm. you're watching The Hobbit and you're like there's sure a lack of Hobbit in this film. <laughs> <Hobbit." laughs> it's like this it's like there's a lack of returning of things <laughs> Yeah I was really surprised they cut out Gimli and Legolas because it's not like they're minor characters If you're skipping out most of the plot then I guess they don't need to do much Another thing I noticed, and I don't know if you noticed this as well, when again, it's the product of the 80s, no doubt, but the fact that the good guys more or less look the same yeah. Do you know what I mean? Again, this is me looking back after obviously watching the Peter Jackson films, but Gondor has such a distinctive style. Rohan has such a distinctive style. And don't get me wrong, I'm pretty sure in the books they said that as well. In this film, they're just generic knights, and the only thing that's distinguishing them is the banners or the shields that they're holding. There's no difference between them. It's just like generic knight one, two, three, and then they just copy and paste them. Yeah, I think that's just a limitation of the time, though as well. This was brought out dead quick when you think about between the Lord of the Rings coming out, the one in the, what did I say, it was 78 or 79, whatever it was, and this coming out it's like less than a couple of years, so they went from storyboarding to animation real, real fast. I'm just reading through the notes <laughs> that we were sending to one another and after the whole Denethor died, lol, <laughs> GG, I just said, other than saying he was a good friend, <laughs> I just put to you, Sam is such a dick in this. (laughs) And I stand by that. He's just having a moan most of the time, which I think is really funny. You know when you hang about with someone too much and you get to, like, you're just sick of everything they're doing? You know, and that's what Sam's like in this. He's just having a complaint. And I don't blame him. He's been with Frodo for ages now. This is much more realistic than the Peter Jackson books because they're like, oh, we're good friends and all that. No, in this one, Sam's just sick. He's just sick sick of having to look at Frodo in this one. He's just having a complaint the whole time. But who is he complaining to? That's the thing. Just the world, man. He's just having a moan. <laughs> Leave him be. <laughs> you know, you've had films, at least before and after this, where they have the whole, like, show, don't tell, but the voice actor's just like, no, if I'm getting paid for this, I'm getting paid for this. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go, oh, I'm out on this. And he just, he complains about everything. You know, he talks about throbbing rings. He talks about his fake children. <laughs> 
he's getting paid by the line, mate. That's what it feels like. Um, Mr. Theodore. <laughs> I don't know if that was him, but Mr. Theodore, that wasn't in the script, and he's like furiously writing it down. He's just having a moan. But then, as you said to me in reply, when we were watching that, Frodo is just the same. There's one scene where he straight up just lies down, and he's like, oh, I can't be arsed anymore. <laughs> The song starts playing. I think it's. It could be a reprise of "It's So Easy Not to Try." It is, yeah. That's like the running theme throughout. Yeah, but I thought that was so mean because it's like this guy's carrying the weight, an unbearable weight, and you're like, ah, it's easy not to try into you, wee dick. Like. <laughs> Even the bard's getting on at them. 1980s attitudes to depression be like. <laughs> but that's that. He just he lies down. And this is something I pointed out to you. But I was like, okay, the first thing he does is he lies down. The bard takes the piss out of him. And then he thinks <laughs> his first memory, I kid you not, his first memory is him getting whipped by an orc. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> what is this for? <laughs> this has led us up expertly to the best song in the film. Oh, of course. As the plot goes, Sam and Frodo then get disguised in an orc army. A very terrible disguise, can I just say? Yeah, these orcs look like dog. Like cat, dog, yeah. Because slightly off topic, but that was something that I found weird when they were doing the recap and they showed Smog and it looked like a cat dragon. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) It's definitely not the weirdest animation choice. Because he's still to turn up. Oh, yeah. In the film. He, he was in the flashback, but he's still to turn up. We'll, we'll get to him. Mister, I have to tell you, I've moved into the neighbourhood. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we'll talk about him in a bit. But yeah, sorry, the best song. The better part uh-huh. is the orcs that look like cat, dog, people, then break into a song, and it's where there's a whip, there's a way. And it is such a banger that I added it to my gym playlist. <laughs> And now every morning, this comes on my gym playlist, and it's fantastic. It's the best thing that Lord of the Rings has given to me. (laughs) Is this why it's the superior version? And this is why this film is the superior version of Return of the King. Thank you for your time. I won't be taking any more questions on it. (laughs) Now, see, I would agree with you, but then we have the next scene. Which, of course, is... I don't know how to explain this other than, as I said, Mr. I have to, by law, let you know that I'm moving nearby you. (laughs) Because what did they do to my boy Gollum? Gollum is like this kind of pseudo-hobbit that was corrupted and, you know, he's just horribly... He's just gone through a horrible experience. No, no, no. No, no, brother, he's a fish man now. He's a green fish man. He looks like, you know the bass that people used to buy in the 90s? Where they hung up as well. The one that sang? Oh, yeah. Where there's a word. See if anybody out there has one of them or knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, I had a pair of legs. I had two pairs of legs to the front, two pairs of legs to the back. That is Gollum. That is Gollum, this weird fish toad man. <laughs> Gollum is one of these, like, in the books, and the Peter Jackson one as well, it's quite a complex character, it's one who is suffering through themes of addiction and just things that have affected his mental fortitude. He is at a low point in his life, and you have to feel so sorry for him. This one, on the other hand, I would not (laughs) hesitate twice about throwing him into Mount Doom. I would kick him. (laughs) He brings down the tone of Mount Doom. 
<laughs> brings in the property value. It's like, you know when you go to an older relative's house and they've got that one statue or one thing in the house you look at <laughs> and you think, this does not belong in your home. <laughs> Why have you got this? <laughs> this is Gollum. This is Gollum. He is, I don't want to say freak of nature, but he's a freak of nature. I'm going to say it. What were your first thoughts on him? Genuinely, what were your first thoughts? See, as soon as you saw Gollum, this twisted creature. I genuinely couldn't understand that it was Gollum. My brain wouldn't accept it and so just to, for clarity the, the order I watched these films is I watched the Lord of the Rings one first then Return of the King then jumped back and watched The Hobbit so I had no idea what I was getting myself into because the Gollum in the Lord of the Rings one looks like Gollum it looks exactly a bit taller maybe but nothing weird this was such a surprise I was just I was baffled like I couldn't even I'm still not 100% sure why you know how usually if something's weird in an adaptation you can at least go right okay I understand where this decision was made there's nothing in my brain that under like why was he a green I just can't understand why he was a green fish man what the thinking was behind it well counterpoint I bet you the animator or character designer you know he was burned in the midnight oil right imagine him 2am his wife and kids are wondering where he is he's hunched over and he's humming the theme it's so easy not to try <laughs> he just draws anything he's like Gollum at no, last right, okay, no, I'm, I'm not accepting this right and the reason I'm not accepting this is his actual drawing from like talking of these characters no <laughs> don't accept that <laughs> he invented a new character what I think it was he had a plan he's like I have this weird fish dude and he's getting in this film <laughs> has anyone checked this guy's DA account <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's all I can say just yeah why a fish man I don't get it and the thing is do you know what upsets me the most when I went back and I'm skipping ahead a wee bit here but I went to see what people thought of this film and I genuinely thought people were going to be a lot harsher than they actually were and granted a lot of people were quite forgiving for it because they said they grew up with it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, like if you were watching this growing up I definitely could see you enjoying it and having nostalgic feelings but my heart is bitter and cold and darkened so I have no nostalgia. I've put on the one ring of power. I am going <laughs> Kyle Ken times a hundred here. Why a fish man? <laughs> And then after that, the thing is, don't get me wrong, Lord of the Rings obviously jumps around. You've got two or three concurrent stories. You've got Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas. You've got them doing their thing. Obviously not in this film. Yeah, don't worry about them. Get rid of them. Yeah, no one cares about the return of the king. Imagine that. You've got Frodo and Sam, which is basically the main bit of the story. And then, of course, you've got the Gandalf shenanigans. And we'll get to the Gandalf shenanigans, don't get me wrong. But yeah, it is just so disjointed and the timing just makes no sense as I said you cut to Gandalf and it's like oh Denethor come help us and he's like I don't want to help you I just want to die <laughs> it's so easy to die apparently <laughs> and then they skip over really important moments here's a thing that really riled me up so you know how I was moaning earlier about the fight for Minas Tirith or sorry Minas Tirith let's say mm. and you know it's such an iconic part of obviously the Peter Jackson films which obviously weren't around but as well for the books because it's this city that is the bastion of 
of freedom for men in this universe. It's like the last stronghold that's been untouched and then all of a sudden this force is coming outside to corrupt it. Nah, we're not going to focus on that, right? Oh, I don't worry about it. Aye, so that's bad enough. But then they skipped out the charge of Pelennor Fields and that riled me up even more because <laughs> do you want to know an interesting fact? There is actually footage and I found this on YouTube, there is actually audio of J.R.R. Tolkien and I kid you not, he reads out the charge of yes. Theoden and it is, if you haven't heard it by the way. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic the way he writes it out, the way he has his diction, the way he just paints the scene. It is just fantastic. So there is zero reason why they skip that out. They just say, oh by the way, Rohan popped up with Lord Theoden and I'm sitting there going, see if I hadn't seen Lord of the Rings. If I hadn't seen Lord of the Rings, if I wasn't familiar with the source material, I would not know what's going on. Oh, there's so much of that in this though. It's just, it's so baffling. Like, that's what I was saying to you. Do you not find that baffling that for a film, it's not even for the fans? Because even the fans like you and I are getting confused <laughs> by it. That's the thing, it's like, you mentioned Lord of the Rings being so dense, a lot going on. At that point, it's like, if you're making an animated thing, you either have to cut down extremely or go super linear and just do a Frodo and Sam story. That could work on its own to try and include so much. Just as another example in the same battle that we're on, Eowyn turns up after Theoden falls two foot off his horse and dies. He dies of the same disease Denethor dies yeah, of. Yeah. After the battle, no less. So they've already won and he falls off his horse and dies. She gets to do a whole speech, which is actually cut from the Peter Jackson film, so that's pretty cool. That's the thing, that's the only one that's seen of that. She gets to do a speech. So she turns up, takes a helmet off, does a speech, kills the Witch King, and then that's her. See you later. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> she turns up and disappears in the space of five minutes. You see her, I think, once at the end. Like You see her in the background of a few scenes, but that's her for all the lines. It's so weird how they've obviously thought some characters have to be in it, like Aragorn, like Eowyn, but they just turn up, say a few things, and disappear again. Like, Aragorn's the exact same. So then he follows on, and they just go, oh, by the way, Aragorn's back now. Like There's literally a voiceover narrating it going, oh, by the way, Aragorn comes back. Good. He turns up, and then we're in the sort of at the end game. From there. He's just like, oh, let's, let's go. Let's go invade the Black Gate as us. It's crazy how much they cut around and you lose a lot of character doing that because nobody has a personality because they're just an exposition machine at that point it's just breakneck pacing though it's just so weird because going back to that Eowyn scene I want to just touch on that quickly I think that that is probably one of the better scenes in this film and I do think Eowyn is portrayed as being really really cool in this you know as you said it's a really cool speech and everything it's just a shame that there's two things that detract from it one is Pippin's Roger Moore impression going (laughs) oh a woman (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you've got Mary going, oh, it's Eowyn, Theoden's niece. And there's just so much exposition. It's like, oh, he forbade her to ride. As I said, see if I was watching this for the first time, no idea what the hell's going on. Nope. I would still be saying, who is this? Why did it come out of nowhere? Why does the Witch King sound like Skeletor? <laughs> I honestly couldn't believe that when the Witch King came down. And, you know, again, maybe the Peter Jackson adaptation has spoiled us, but the Witch King is, I'm assuming he's the head honcho of the nine. Yeah. yeah. And you know, he's very imposing. He rides the Nazgul. He's this force to be reckoned with. And it is so cool to see, obviously, Ewan take him down after Mary just randomly stabs him, like shanks him <laughs> from behind. <laughs> yeah, just this guy just sounds like Skeletor. And you can't take him seriously. I'm sorry. This is the same film that wants you to believe that Sam would make a convincing warlord. To be fair, he kind of would in this universe. <laughs> 
you've got Skeletor, Witch King, you've got Fish Guy Gollum, and the mouth of Sauron, he's in it as well. And he's also just a cackling hero. He's just a bloke. I guess it's because it's a kid's film and they want the villains to be ha-ha, silly billies. But it's not exactly that intimidating when the mouth of Sauron is just a bloke. He's just trying to do his job, man. Wait, are we convinced that was the mouth of Sauron and not just like a guy LARPing? It was just whoever happened to answer the door. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'll just try to get him to go away. I don't know who he is. No, no, I didn't, I didn't order a parcel. No, sorry, I didn't no. order a one ring. No. Yeah, that brings me on to the next part of the pacing. So there's again another long-winded thing of Sam and Frodo walking through Mount Doom. and It's not even Mount Doom at this point. It's like the outskirts of Mount Doom. And they travel for ages and they dress up as orcs and they manage to get away from the orcs because they, for some reason, think they're orcs. But I don't know if they're just being nice and they don't want to be called out as being like <laughs> orc racists or something. My mother had hairy feet or something. Let's not single these guys out. So then they escape and then they talk about it being freezing then boiling and everything and they sleep. They keep going and I'm like, my god, there's so much you could have put in here rather than <laughs> this. They moan and then I can't remember how but Frodo buggers off at one point. He just, he takes a ring and he just That's when they fight Gollum. No, but even before that though, like he just everybody disappears and then there's a narration that's like, Sam searched for days oh, in the volcano. Yeah. And I was sitting there like, I'm sorry, days? <laughs> But that's at the point where he goes to destroy the ring. So that's inside Mount Doom by that point. So inside a mountain. I guess it, it's not that weird because you get the dwarf caves and stuff in Lord Rings well. But yeah, basically because they wanted the two plots simultaneous but then realised that Aragorn couldn't move an entire army to the Black Gate instantaneously, they had to then just stall the Frodo and Sam plot. So yeah, Frodo and Sam become... Oh, Frodo walks off of the ring and spends days walking around the inside of Mount Doom. He could have just gone home at that point point i don't understand where were they <laughs> what were they doing was he just sitting there all that time but then it's like okay maybe a wee bit more okay let's stop start stop start and you're like why <laughs> just why <laughs> and then yeah as you say sam walks in and he's like oh my god mr frodo why is mr hide your kids humping the air for no reason <laughs> and then it turns out oh this is how we got the time <laughs> The backstory we wanted this whole time. Why is he called Frodo Nightmakers? It's because of this fish. Well, I love it, this bit. Gollum gets the ring and he's so excited he just starts dancing near the edge. And in the version that they've obviously told the bard, Gollum just so happened to slip. They killed him. They straight up ran up and double, double hand shoved him. No doubt in my mind that Sam just went, oh, there's a chance, and just volleyed him. You can tell the bard what you want. I see through your lies, Sam. <laughs> what, just a frying pan to the face? He just knocked him down. Oh, he slipped. I'm not buying it. Oh, he fell. We tried pulling him up, but he's a greasy fish hunt. <laughs> just... <laughs> We tried pulling up, but honestly, I didn't want to touch him. Yeah, then we get the, I want to say the finale, the pseudo finale, where the eagles just swoop in for no reason. If you were complaining about this in the Peter Jackson films, you know, the, why didn't the eagles take the one ring to Mordor, blah, blah, blah. There's reasons, there's justifications. All of a sudden in this film, just eagles pop up. You don't even know they exist at this point. Yeah. You've just watched this film, you do not know there's eagles in the universe. And then they swoop down, and they did not skip leg day did you see those legs oh i did <laughs> like i have never seen a more muscular jojo looking eagle in my life and that's what they say in the film oh sorry before <laughs> the world's weirdest final words do you remember what frodo says to sam before they get picked up by the eagles no idea <laughs> i'm running down and he goes die well samwise <laughs> so he does <laughs> 
I was howling. I was like, imagine you're about to die with your best friend. And that's the last thing you say to them, even in a medieval setting, just to say, die well, friend. <laughs> I'm putting that in my memory banks. I'm going to use that at one point. I actually thought, see, when he said it, I thought he was going to shove him. I thought that was another one. <laughs> like a betrayal line. Yeah, and then the egos pick them up and they have the ending. They clap for the intro. I forgot that Rasputin was in this film. <laughs> we go back to Bobo's birthday party and ha ha, he's old and fell asleep. What are we doing here, lads? Why Why are we spending so much of this film here? And then it gets to what I think is the weirdest part. And this is something I, I don't really like in books and films and stuff. And it's the bit where Gandalf then spends an extraordinarily long time saying that every hobbit is getting taller. He goes, look at Bilbo shorter than Frodo and Frodo shorter than Pippin. And one day... No, 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 sorry. No, Pippin is a genetic anomaly. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not magic. That's just bad genes. It's not magic. What Gandalf is saying is that we live in the world of Lord of the Rings and the hobbits are going to turn into humans. Did Gandalf just call us out for having hairy feet? I think so. I'll fight him. <laughs> <laughs> and I know there's all these things about Tolkien's letters and he kind of implied that, right? But these guys didn't do that research. They just wanted to have a weird ending where they were like, oh, maybe deep down, we're all hobbits. And it's like, no, we're not. Like... <laughs> It doesn't work like that. I just want to point out for the record, I'm over six foot, so if anybody calls me a hobbit, I will be saying a very hearty excuse you. And yeah, the film ends with them hitting up the original banger, which was It's Easy Not To Try. For some weird reason, yeah. They knew it was a banger. Yeah, but it's easy not to try, but it's easy also not to try with the soundtrack. Was the minstrel being paid by the song? And it was like, oh, I can only come up with four of them. Yeah, it's tough to write songs. I get that. And there's one thing I want to point out and I feel as if it's going to peak our mics so I apologise in advance (laughs) (laughs) headphone warning there is one line beyond the throbbing ring beyond the die well (laughs) surprise Beyond Hobbit's getting taller, right, there's one line that I want to point out, and it ends relatively similar to the books and the Peter Jackson films where Frodo and co go to the, is it the Undying Lands on the big boat? Kind of off topic before going to this, but one thing that I found weird was they didn't adapt the Scourge of the Shire, which, don't get me wrong, after everything they cut out, I'm surprised they cut out that as well, because it's something that's not really been adapted. I feel as if every adaptation they just go, no, no, we want a happy ending. Come on. Don't touch the Shire. Come on. I have to admit, I do agree with that. So it was quite strange they made that decision. But here's the thing. Frodo's a dick, right? Not only did he tell Sam to die well as they were about to get absolutely melted by lava, he said, no, Sam, you don't have to come with me to the Undying Lands. Go get a plump hobbit wife. <laughs> I kid you not, anybody who hasn't seen this, go look up the phrase plump hobbit wives. Do not put that into your Google. Don't put that in your covers. <laughs> oh my god, don't Google that. For legal reasons, that is indeed a joke. <laughs> not that it's not in the film, that actually is. He says, go home, because I think Sam says, and I always find this weird, because this is something I brought up to you, and you brought up a very good counterpoint, but Sam always calls Frodo master in this and in the Peter Jackson films it's something you brought up that he does call him like oh Master Frodo or Mr Frodo or yeah. you know he, he always calls him something of that variety for some reason it sounds natural there but in this one he keeps calling him Master just randomly 
Yeah, it feels weird. Yeah, it feels very uncomfortable. And considering what we know about Sam up until this point, it doesn't get any better. And then, of course, his final words. Frodo's changed the world. My final message moment here is, Sam, Sam, listen, listen, you don't have to come with me to the Undying Lands. Look, I'm going to live forever with these elves. And the elves are going to look at me and be like, how did elves get shorter over the years? But yeah, that's beside the point. He says, you know, Sam, 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 my man, go home. Get a plump wife, right? <laughs> Get a plump wife with lots of lamb bread in the trunk, right? Just go home. It's just surreal because it's like, that's the last word your friend is going to remember you, man. This is a certified Kenobi moment where it's like, yes, I knew Frodo. He nearly killed me over the ring. Thought about himself getting whipped by orcs constantly while he was half naked. <laughs> told me to die well as we were about to get burned alive. And then he told me to meet your mother, a nice hobbit wife with a plump rump. And he was a good friend. <laughs> I guess... I- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait for this explanation. I was just going to say Frodo likes some thick. That was all I was going to say. <laughs> Got nothing left. Frodo, you wouldn't let us in on the secret here. It's like, I'm so terribly tired. <laughs> <laughs> the ring is... <laughs> He's got sickness for thickness. One quick thing. So going back to what you were saying about Gandalf looking into the camera. <laughs> as he said, maybe there's a hobbit in all of us. There's a lot of messaging in this one, but I don't think I like it. The writers of this were trying to get as many innuendos in as, like, this was one of those things where they tried to make themselves laugh. You know what I mean? Like, that was definitely what they were going for this. And I have to point out one absolute stellar person in the cast. Not even the cast, sorry, the sound designer, or the person who did the sound effects. A guy called Tom Clark. <laughs> and the only reason that stood out was because I was like, that is the best name for a sound designer I have ever heard. Tom Clark. <laughs> so to summarize, this is a film. Good summary. <laughs> In all seriousness, how do you feel about this film? Would you say this is one that people should watch for, I don't know, token preservation? (laughs) Or how do you feel? I can't not recommend it. I have to recommend it. And I don't know why. Everyone should watch this film. There is too much for me not to pass on to other people. I don't want this film to not be well known. Everyone needs to see this film. Do they though? Yes, 100%. This is the definitive Lord of the Rings experience. What I want to say is, if you like Lord of the Rings, you should go watch this, because it's so weird. If you don't like Lord of the Rings, you should go watch this, because then you can make fun of people who like Lord of the Rings, because this is what they like. If you like good movies, then you should watch this to find out what a good movie's not, and if you like bad movies, you should watch this, because it's brilliant. 10 out of 10, fully recommended. This is a 43-year-old film. It feels like it. Yeah, as I said at the beginning, I don't want to throw, despite throwing shade over the whole film, I don't want to throw shade over people who have grown up with this film and enjoyed it. This is definitely one of the films that I feel as if if I was younger and had gotten into it then maybe I would have had fond memories over it you know because that seemed to be where all the positive comments were coming from yeah. all the people saying oh I love this film growing up it was my favourite blah 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 and I can totally say that I can 100% see why you would love this film and I am not here to take those memories away from you whether you watched it with family friends whatever if this is your film absolutely fantastic feel free to enjoy it as much as you want 
on. As an objective source of media, I can't say silent, Craig, you see, I'm sorry. I can't say silent, I have to say. Aww. It is not great. What I will say is, it's entertaining, but I would only recommend this film if you were a Lord of the Rings fan. Just so you could watch it, and just so you could say, I've seen The Return of the King, both versions. I like it for the comedy value. <laughs> exactly. What I will say is, I was never bored by it and that <laughs> is the mark of a good enough film <laughs> you know it wasn't great it wasn't good but it wasn't bad for me the cardinal sin is definitely if a film's boring and not enjoyable then that's it there's no point there's literally zero point of judging it to say oh it's a good or bad film this film is to borrow a phrase from yourself it's one of these films that if you have a lot of Lord of the Rings friends and everything and you want to watch something fun related to Lord of the Rings or you want to go down memory lane this is definitely to watch with people just so you can prove it exists because let me tell you if you turn around to me right after watching the Peter Jackson films if you turn around to me and said oh yeah there's a film where Gollum (laughs) is a fish creature there's a guy called Theodore in this film (laughs) I've cut out so much the Battle of Pelennor Fields isn't in it everything is just absolutely out of sync there's also men in Mordor for some reason yeah okay why not it's just it's a bizarre film but you have to see it to believe it but Craig you see thank you so much for yeah introducing me to this film and my final question I suppose is how does it feel for this to be your last episode of Chatsunami? <laughs> Die well Chatsunami <laughs> oh I can't wait for the next d session <laughs> But, yeah, on that note, thank you all so, so much for listening to this episode. If you want to listen to more episodes of Lord of the Rings Month, or really just any episodes by ourselves, you can catch us on the website, chatsunami.com, as well as all good podcast apps. I also want to thank our Pandalorian patrons, Robotic Battles hosts and Sonia. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you want to get exclusive content, then please feel free to head over to patreon.com forward slash chatsunami. But until then, stay safe, stay awesome and most importantly find your plump hobbit wives I knew you were going to say that (laughs) (laughs) that's why I was holding back the laugh